0: Most couple therapists are trained well enough to be neutral about the outcome of working with the couple. In other words, they're not biased to try to get people to stay together, but there are a couple therapists out there who have different kinds of agendas. So it's just important to, um, as you said, get a recommendation from someone who has personally worked with them, who is a friend of yours, if you can, so that you're not just walking into you know, a blind conversation with someone whose values might
1: be way off from yours. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr.
0: Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world, lies inside the health,
1: security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Art of We. This is episode 44, and we're so happy that you are here listening to us today. We wanted to share with you our recommendations of when to get external support for your couple, because it can be hard to navigate. When do we try to figure this out ourselves? When do we actually invest in hiring somebody else to help us navigate this? And we have had in our almost six years of relationship We've had, I would say, three different types of external support that has made a really big difference for us, I think. What do you think, Will?
0: What parts are you talking
1: about? (laughs) I'm talking about number one. The first time that we got external support was from one of our couple of friends. So we have, I would say, a couple couples who we could go to if we needed to in a very immediate manner that we trust their skill and their capacity to support us. And the first time that we needed a lot of support was right before our wedding happened. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We were in an SOS and we fortunately got the support of, turns out our business partners now, they were really amazing and came to our call and helped us work through some really tender pieces together.
0: I think the other piece when you're going to friends that's really important is to have alignment about their view about what couples are really about. And for example, if they don't look at the relationship as a growth path, then they might not help you in the way you want to be helped.
1: Totally. And I would imagine too, if they have a perspective of like him versus her or something instead of a we perspective, it could be really hard of like, well, who's right here or who's wrong? They might come at it at a very different angle than than you would want them to. So I, I just love that you're really inviting that question.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to consider that when you're reaching out for help. And this also goes for reaching out to a couple therapist or some other counselor or resource. There needs to be alignment.
1: Right. So let's talk about that. So that would be our second area of support, which has been couples therapy, specifically with one couples therapist who is steeped in the PACT model. We've talked about this before. It's Stan Tatkin's couples therapy model, PACT. And I love that you're bringing that up, Will, because if she wasn't aligned with how we view partnership, it would be a pretty big issue for us. And I think that you've had some really good experience, and we've talked about this before too, but I think it's appropriate here to talk about the the difference in going to different therapists that have different perspectives about relationship is a game changer.
0: For sure. And different Relationship counselors with different perspectives can bring aspects of help, but sometimes lack the full toolkit. So I'm happy to go into that, sharing my experience of that, if, if we think that's relevant here.
1: I think it's totally relevant. I would just mention the third one, and then let's come back to the couples therapy. The third way that we've gotten external support is through sexological body worker only one. Although I would say that before you, I've actually, I've done some of my own work in that realm. And so we want to share a little bit about why we chose to do that and how it helps and what the opportunity is there too. But let's go back to where you were, back to number two, couples therapy, and share some of the, the differences in what you've experienced so far.
0: Yeah, different types of couple therapy. One place that I spent a lot of time in couple therapy in a previous relationship was with a well-known Buddhist therapist who I saw on and off individually and also I saw with my previous partner as a couple. And in a tongue-in-cheek way, I I look back on it and call it Buddhist gaslighting because the view that was held in that community, in that subculture and a Buddhist subculture that I was a part of I'm very deeply involved in was a view that your own personal distress was your own personal problem. And any attempt to go to your partner or anyone else to help you hold your own personal distress was regarded as neurosis or, you know, subtly spiritually shamed. Mm. Like, oh, he obviously doesn't get the view of Buddhism if he's Trying to ask for someone to help him hold his dysregulation. And the blind spot and the unfortunate limitation, I would say, of that perspective about couple therapy is that you're really missing a huge resource that we could talk more about, that is a big part of this psychobiological approach to couple therapy that we're partaking of here in our relationship.
1: Mm hmm. This might be a loaded question, but do you think that if you and your previous partner had started out with a different type of couples therapy where it was less about you figure your own stuff out and more about how do we hold this together and support what's here together, do you think that you would be in a different, I mean, obviously be in a different place, but do you think that there would have been more hope for the relationship?
0: I don't think a couple therapist with that view would have been acceptable to my partner at that time. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, and maybe I'm just blaming my ex by saying that. But the view is kind of neat and clean, and it works really well for people who are more on the avoidant end of the spectrum of attachment styles to have the answer for every problem to be go back to the cushion and just meditate some more and be with your disturbance. The problem that I found in following that prescription for many years And I can say this, you know, with honesty, because I was there in it for years. This perspective was it didn't change the dysregulation over the years that I still felt in everyday interactions in my partnership, which was a, if you listen to previous episodes, you know that my previous relationship was a more siloed style of relationship where there wasn't this called out, agreed upon interdependency that we
1: practice here in our relationship. Right. So I think it goes back to really understanding what the therapist's perspective is and does it align with how you and your partner hold relationship?
0: Exactly. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with any agreement that any two people can make. So if two Buddhists want to see a Buddhist therapist and get that advice, you know, I'm not arguing with that. I'm, all I'm trying to say is that didn't work for me and when i came across what i think is a much more sophisticated and elegant model that transcends and includes the personal responsibility for the personal distress Mm -hmm. but also embraces that humans are primates and social interpersonal regulation is a fact of biology when I embraced that perspective, my life really took off and changed and I was able to do things that I could never do before because I was so mired in chronic dysregulation.
1: Right. Well, so maybe that's the opening to talk about why people might go see a couple therapists together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that being in a high level of dysregulation together that you can't get out of is one reason. Absolutely. Maybe there's um there's an ongoing rupture around a specific topic. Maybe it's infidelity, maybe it's sexuality, maybe it's finances that you can't seem to repair fully or align about.
0: Mhm. I think another good one would be more of an acute problem like, you know, the death of a child or parent okay. or immediate sort of first aid that's needed for an acute issue displacement from your home, you know, things
1: that are big crises for people. Totally. And I just think about so many people who are just like, we'll just make it through this. And, you know, we don't want to make the investment and it's a hassle to find somebody and it's a hassle to find the time. And for those of you who can resonate with that and are in any kind of crisis right now, I just want to really be an advocate for, even if you think you don't really quote unquote need the support, it's like that kind of support could be just so so relieving on so many levels to have somebody else hold you as a couple inside of any kind of crisis like that. Absolutely. I think that there's also when one person is obviously working with trauma in their system. And I think that there's an important distinction between small T trauma and big T trauma here. And I think it would be great if you could just touch on that for a minute, Will. I think that you'd be very articulate in that
0: the terms are important to explain and they're both significant the big t and little t trauma so big t trauma is the major obvious life events that occur to people like a car accident or a fall from a
1: ladder or a sexual assault or any of these events natural disaster or something like in one's history it doesn't have to be current present like one's history that
0: impacted them right something that many People would say, Oh, wow, that was a trauma. Yeah, got it. And then mm-hmm. in general, when people use the term lower T trauma, they're talking about the subtle abuse and neglect. Usually it's more on the neglect end of the spectrum of not being listened to, not being paid attention to, not being cared for, misattunements that occur between caregivers and children, dismissals, exclusions. Shamings. And so in recent years, the conversation amongst trauma specialists has really accelerated and begun around little t trauma rather than just only focusing on this person went to combat and this person was raped and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But there's also a bigger piece that you're bringing here, I think is really important to point out is that when people are dealing with trauma, the conventional ideas that you might go see a therapist or take a medication for trauma individually. And I just want to say you know, for a moment here that as a therapist and trauma specialist and psychiatrist for more than 20 years, for most of my practice, I thought about trauma that way, that this was an individual problem for an individual to address and deal with. And I probably even believed that, which I don't anymore, that kind of pop psychology idea that you need to be well to be lovable or eligible for partnership and that people should do their own work, quote unquote, before they go into partnership. But my views about relationship and the healing power of relationship and the relational potency of healing trauma have flipped upside down. It's been years now since that changed, but I truly believe that trauma healing is a relational experience that isn't only a relational experience between therapist and individual. It can also be an incredibly powerful experience for a couple to hire a couple therapist when one or or both parties are dealing with trauma and want to resolve it as a couple together. It's hard to describe how valuable it is to have your partner in the room as you're working on your own trauma.
1: Yeah, when you and I do our couples therapy and we're getting into some realm of something that's gotten stuck in our being in some form, psychologically, emotionally, however that is showing up, and we're doing the kind of work that I would imagine one would do on their own with a therapist, but you're there and I'm doing that work. It's almost like the volume of the healing and the opportunity that I can see goes way up. It's like a what's that thing like? Like that you accentuate like it's accentuator. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like it amplifies the impacts of the work that's being done in the moment. It's very vulnerable, but it's also very healing in my experience.
0: And it translates directly into real time immediately after the session ends. So there's no sort of, okay, let me tell you everything that happened in my couple or in my individual session with my trauma therapist, you know?
1: Right, which is like just putting words to the experience, but it's not being in the experience. And then it's not translating it into our relationship in that next moment after we're out of the therapy session. It's just kind of like, hopefully it'll stick and integrate kind of thing versus being a lived experience between you and I.
0: Right. Can you think of any other reasons a person should hire a couple therapist?
1: Well, you pointed to the healing together piece. There's such a beautiful, sacred landscape when we really hold the view of part of our partnership is about healing these things together so we can be more of who we are in the world. And so we can have more of an impact in the way we want to in the world. It's such a sacred, beautiful journey to do that in partnership. And then the other piece is around optimizing. So I think that for us, we've gotten to the place where it's like we don't want to wait until the fire is already starting to burn down our house. We want to We want to be able to see the fire, start to see the smoke and be like, okay, there's a few things in our realm that don't feel awesome and perfect, or we know that there's opportunity there to heal and grow. So we have decided to you see it as a really big investment in optimizing our relationship. Well, I think this is in
0: the realm of what we already talked about, but anytime there's a, a topic that you can't bring to your partner without support would be a good reason to have someone else there. I think um, using couple therapy for optimization of the couple is a really fun way to engage couple therapy. And I think, again, it's uh, important to think about whether the couple therapist you're going to see is experienced in and comfortable with and excited about that conversation. Because I just want to say I I love couple therapy and I love couple therapists. And I think to be honest, most people don't go find a couples therapist until the house is on fire. And so most couple therapists are not in the realm of optimization. They're used to seeing couples who Are coming in with the question of, are we going to get divorced or not? Or, you know, there's too much water in the bridge. And they're oftentimes there to really just help people gracefully uncouple from each other. So maybe that actually is another reason to meet with a couple therapist. If you and your partner have decided that, you know what, it's time to move on, but you want some counseling or support around how do we gracefully do this in a loving way with each other and maybe how do we even communicate with our children about it based on their ages if you have kids and so on. So that would be a good reason
1: I think. That's a great idea or even if one of you are in the question of do I want to continue inside of this relationship? that would be super helpful. And I like your I like where we're going about making sure it's the right fit of a therapist. If you're waiting until the house is on fire, you're scrambling to find a person and they may not be a fit. The person who's available may not be a good fit, but you're kind of hiring them anyway because you're like, I need help now. But if you get the chance and you have the time to do the research, I think that there's it's important to ask the therapist, what kind of couple do you like to work with? What do you specialize in? What kinds of situations do you respond best to and just to really do your homework and not just assume even if they come recommended by somebody not just assume that they're going to be a good fit
0: right and i think this needs to be said even though it's a kind of a subtle point but about the view of the couple therapists most couple therapists are trained well enough to be neutral about the outcome of working with the couple in other words They're not biased to try to get people to stay together, but there are a couple therapists out there who have different kinds of agendas. So it's just important to, um, as you said, get a recommendation from someone who has personally worked with them, who is a friend of yours, if you can, so that you're not just walking into, you know, a blind conversation with someone whose values might be way off from yours.
1: Great. Okay. So let's just take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the third external support that we've received, which is with sexological bodywork. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back. We are talking about when to get external support as a couple and what type of support that we would suggest people get. And we've shared about having really skilled, trusted community. We've shared about hiring a couples therapist. And this third one that Will and I have done is hired a sexological bodyworker. Now, for those of you who are not clear about what that is, I'm going to just read a little line here from thesexologicalbodyworkers.org. So sexological bodywork is a body-based educational modality that supports individuals, couples, and groups to learn to direct their erotic development and to deepen their erotic well-being and embodiment. A person might seek this kind of support to address specific challenges, including lack of access to pleasure, a diminished experience of desire and joy, or a longing to have greater access to the nourishing aspects of a partner's touch. So, a little bit of background is that I've done, prior to meeting Will, I've done some work on my own in this realm with these kinds of body workers, and as a female in A world where we're trained to not really learn how to cultivate and be in touch with our own pleasure. It was very, very supportive for me. Now, this is a little bit of a more edgy type of support that couples can get. So I just would say if you're interested in something like this, then do your research, do a lot of research. We have some contacts here in Boulder that we can ask for recommendations. But when Will and I got together, it was just recently, actually, that you and I were like, we feel like we want to take our intimate connection to another level. And so we reached out to one of my contacts that I had worked with before, who's very trustable and lovely. And we just had one session with her. Well, do you want to share what you feel like we got out of that session and why it felt like an important thing for us to explore?
0: Yes. So... I was excited to have this session that you're referring to because in my own journey with pleasure, I had noticed, even before I met you, that my relationship with pleasure was problematic in various ways. And I'd had therapists tell me in the past that it was probably related to things that happened when I was little. And so...
1: Let me ask you a question. When you say pleasure, are you... like? maybe you can define what that is. I mean, I'm assuming you're just talking about just kind of any touch that feels nice. Or what do you mean by pleasure?
0: I was referring to pleasure in a more of a global general sense, including sexual pleasure and just pleasure in general, like being able to stay in pleasure, like having the capacity to not go toward on to the next thing or yeah, but, or at one point I had a therapist who, Noticed that I couldn't stay in just the experience of pleasure for very long. And I got curious about that because it feels good to be in pleasure, and pleasure does good things to your physiology to be able to hang out there. And as a three on the Enneagram, I feel competitive about being able to actually have enough presence and self love and care to be able to stay in pleasure longer. So that was something that led me to feel really curious about this consultation that we did.
1: I'm actually kind of wondering if we should just do an episode on what actually happened in this session. I think that would be great. Like just a walkthrough, like this is sure. this is exactly what happened and this is what we took away. Okay, sure. so maybe maybe that'll be episode number 45, people. But just as a highlight, I think that partially this blockage that we're talking about with you to pleasure and this kind of blockage in our own system of how do we deepen our pleasure as a we and pleasure again, like for me is like, is anything like you're saying, like touch it's, it's seeing a tree and just being in pleasure (laughs) getting to see the tree. Like I know that word can be kind of loaded, but it is a global, it's a global thing for us. And what I really love about this kind of work is that it feels like it can really unwind the mind's ideas and stories that it has about what pleasure is and what pleasure isn't and un-, un unblock the blocks, so to speak, to a different relationship with experiencing pleasure. Does that sound about right to you? Absolutely. Well said. Great. So again, we did one session and we feel like we got some tools that we have used and we could get better at using them. So in the next episode, 45, we'll share more about what exactly happened and what tools we have, and maybe we can make another commitment together about using those tools more often.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Do you have a challenge for uh, our dear listeners today?
1: I guess for me, it would be, what is your relationship with getting external support as a couple? I have heard some people share that one person in the couple is unwilling to go and get couples therapy, quote unquote, because they have a lot of stigma attached to what that means. But I get curious for you, Person, lovely person who's listening, like, what is your relationship with investing in external support? And if you felt like your couple really needed something to take it to the next level of connection and intimacy, what might the topic be? And even if you can get a little bit more clear about that for yourself or honest about it, then potentially that could be the start of a conversation with your partner. What about you, Will? Do you have any kind of invitation?
0: Well, and I guess I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but if the conversation or the mention of sexological body work triggers something uncomfortable for you, then I guess my challenge or invitation for you, dear listener, is to look into that, see what's coming up. And I just invite you to investigate that further for your own benefit and self-knowledge.
1: And listen to episode 45.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And come back and listen to the next episode.
1: To wrap up, I just want to say that this, this field of getting external support is all related to our vow that I don't think we've actually shared on this podcast so far, but the vow is that we will lean into our community when we need you, community. And I feel like you and I have done a really good job of upholding that agreement, that vow together. So I love being on this growth journey with you and getting support because we need it. We, we need support. So thank you.
0: Thank you. It feels like a, kind of a macrocosm of what we were talking about earlier of, you know, taking radical responsibility for our own distress, but also leaning into the couple and our partner, right? And then beyond like that, the macro level of leaning into community mm-hmm. when the distress on the couple level is too much to process.
1: Right. Or to get out of the loops that we can easily get into. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope that you will join us for the next episode, number 45. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Podcast.
0: And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast, on the Art of We.